You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 116th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. It's Minneapolis Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer Howe in Boston, Massachusetts. What's going on, guys? You know, I feel like I'm a little, uh, you know, kind of coming down from a uh, high of just excitement of the tour. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. It was a boring tour to France. It wasn't oh, boring. Hot takes every, in the everybody first minute. Everybody says that every year. I think it's just uh, the Tour de France lived up to what the Tour de France is o- always is, and we made the mistake of becoming hardcore cycling fans during the one of the greatest Tour de France's ever in 2004, yeah. right? But did you watch that last day in the mountains, Tim? I know the GC wasn't exciting, but the break was great. Again. You had a Movistar guy win. I don't – why are you complaining? I, I saw the, def- the, the descent. I thought it was going to be the shark. Um, yeah. We all did. There, the soundboard was all ready with a shark uh, sounds from Jaws. Uh-huh. And then uh, Izagir just had to ruin the party for Movistar, which, of course, left me feeling good. But, again, it gets back to the point that Chris Froome decimated the field, made cycling boring for the month of July, except for every now and then little cool things. Like, he did really cool things, don't get me wrong, and, and fun stuff that happened. But yeah. the tour is not fun racing. Fun racing we, we is spent, in April. We spent it's all last episode talking about how fun the tour was this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Froome's fault. It's his opponent's fault because he did, not only did he yeah. dominate, he did everything he could to make it interesting in the yeah. way he dominated. He ran. Yeah. Nobody ever runs. That was that's, a first. Again. True. He sat on a tube. <clears throat> again. Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. really cool to see him running. And he tried to outsprint Peter. It was really cool to see Marcel Kittle throw his wheel um, when he got a bike exchange with a flat tire, which was kind of like that is fireable. <laughs> that, a little unprofessional, a yeah. <laughs> well, you don't look at those things; they blow up the, the blow up on top of the roof. You don't know. Huh. I think I think we have to blame Nairo for the the tour being boring. Yeah, again, it's true. It's Nairo's fault. I we were all waiting. I Everyone mean, was looking at him. Nairo, yeah. it's your turn. Yeah. So I mean, on the TJ uh, to some extent, but mostly Nairo. Uh, well, TJ, TJ came through so for, hurt. for Americans. But let's okay the Nairo thing. There seems to yep. be something going on. But on the cycling uh, podcast, the Telegraph Cycling podcast, they they put it yep. really good. They, they said, "Hey, was it me or did Nairo just ride this like Heimar Zubeldia? Like he did absolutely nothing and still yeah. got r- a third place overall." And I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of yeah. you know." Spot and all on. this talk of him being sick, whatever. He just doesn't have good form. Yeah. Like I feel like the same with Nibali. Like he wasn't riding I mean, well, and they're like, "There's got to be, there's got to be some like super medical problem. We can blame this on." Uh-huh. Like maybe you just don't have good so form I, right I've now. Been, I mean, to be fair, I've been sick for about three or four years now. So I'm yeah, pretty you've been sure sick for a while. That's what's <laughs> going sick. on. 
Like, but like, you don't like apply. You don't like send in for your downgrade and and like send a medical form along with it. That's like, I right, see. It's not. It's not that I just didn't train right or it didn't just magically yeah. all click. That's it's true. Yeah. Can I in say the, in the in the pro tour, your downgrade form is just like getting signed by Kofidis or something or yeah. Cannondale. <laughs> yeah, um, can, yeah, can, definitely getting can, signed by Cannondale at this point. Can uh, I just the, like what I'm trying to say, guys, is that it's so formulaic in the tour that you can have some really bright spots. But it's not like the edge of the seat racing that we get when we're watching cyclocross. It's not the edge of the seat racing yeah. that we get when we're watching um, the classics in the beginning. Like, there's just something about it that the GC was not exciting for me. Yeah, it was cool to see Peter Sagan going off it's... the front to help Micah. Like, what the hell that was? I don't know, but it was kind of cool. It, it just Froomebot. I mean, he's too strong. He has a team of top guys. That yeah, Froome's probably the strongest out of all of them. But even if you reduce that team down to just six people, you're still going to have the best I'm, team. I'm actually not 100% sure he was the strongest guy on that team. Really? I think while Poles is stronger. I, I think Poles might have been stronger, yeah. Poles is really strong. Crazy strong. Crazy strong. Now, the, Team Sky had some crazy strong guys, right? They had some... They had all nine finished. They did an amazing job of crossing the uh, finish line arm-in-arm like... The Rockets, um, but you know what? What should be without stated and should be noted is that Pierre Roland goes to Cannondale and pulls off the greatest result in his career at the Tour de France with a, with a solid 16th place finish, 30 minutes down. Ro- 30 Pierre, minutes down. Pierre Roland, mm-hmm. 30 minutes down. Welcome to the Slow Ride Podcast Hall of Fame. We're proud of you, buddy. Proud, yeah. Chapeau. Vodder's really, really revolutionized his training this year to get him maybe one of his worst placings ever in the tour. No stage wins, kind of nothing. Now, I must say Vodder's, that Vodder's is a magician. I had money that Pierre Roland was going to be the top-placed Frenchman in the race with some friends, and boy, did I get that wrong with Ooh. Romain Bardet will leave the light on for you, getting a solid second-place finish at the Tour de France. This is my new favorite nickname. This might overtake the gummy bear for Carlos Betancourt as my favorite nickname. Not only did he get on the podium, but all the other French stars were non-existent. Oh. Pino, non-existent, yep. quit the race. Uh, we just obviously, Pierre Roland... Uh, no longer a hope for the future. Yep. Um, and we what, Bargell Bargui, did not ride a good race. Uh, he so did not good. ride a good race at and all. And we got f- precious little Volkler uh, action. You know? I know. That, Tim, you're right. All right, I changed my tune. This wasn't a good tour. I barely saw Tommy V at all. I know he's getting old. I know, I mean, I know it's maybe the end of the line, but, like, what are you getting, one break? That's so, not enough. Yeah. Not now, enough. we've... We've talked about this before, and some of the things that, that I'll, I'll stick out to me, right? And then I'll, I'll go through kind of some of my list. You guys feel free to jump in when you can. But first off, you had Bauke Malima, who was on his way to a podium and just tumbles out of the top ten. Tumbles out of the top ten when he tried a last-minute attack on the penultimate stage and just uh-huh. couldn't make it. And then Roman, you got to hand it to him for that, though. Yes, that absolutely. At least he tried. Bad. That's what I'm saying. He tried. So it was nice to see, but you saw these guys like in third through eighth place. Well, maybe sixth place that just kind of didn't really do much. Adam Yates just kind of sitting there. Um, 
Luis Mentes. I think Luis Mentes, um, kind of a ballsy decision for him to leave Dimension Data as a South mm-hmm. African to go to Lamprey with a solid eighth place and only finishing a few minutes down on uh, Adam Yates for the uh, title. But man, now we're going to have to listen about Adam Yates as a GC guy. Yep. How many Commonwealth yeah. riders do we need to have before there's a solid American GC threat? It's ridiculous. Uh, you're going to have to ask TJ about that. But it's not just TJ. There's so many more. Like, where was Chris Horner? <laughs> That's a good question. That's true. That's a good question. Uh-huh. Where was he all race? I was kept looking at the Trek team trying to figure out where he was. Um, but you've got Richie Port uh-huh. uh, easily made himself, you know, the leader of BMC for the future. I mean, I think that Richie Port maybe has the chance to be on the podium next year. But, I mean, Chris Froome has got to be going into next year's tour already the four-minute favorite. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous yeah. what he did. And he would have but done what, it without the team. What about you know what what about Contador? Maybe Contador is back next year. Nah, Contador is uh, he's he's off to pasture. He's off to the farm. You know, when I was a kid, we had this dog. And I don't really remember this dog um, that much. All I know is we named he was a um, he was like a hound, and we had him out in a doghouse out back. We, we didn't treat him very well. Um, you know, it's kind of no. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, you know, I think now we have family dogs that live inside the house. But it was the first dog that the you know family had in Indiana. We had a dog house, and after like six months, you know, my parents came to the realization we just weren't treating this dog well, and we and we just brought it to the farm, right? Well, that's what my parents told me. But it was an old dog, and I didn't know if maybe they brought the the dog to the vet or if it literally went to a farm. And now I'm starting to think that Trek Factory Racing is that farm, and that's why Contador is going there. Because we don't even know if he's going to race. He may be just <laughs> retiring. You don't think he'll actually race? I like that. It's possible. That's a good theory. I mean, I, Contador would not have so, changed anything with Chris Room. Would have maybe been in the top five. Maybe. Yeah. He would so have been the, behind Adam yeah. Yates. But he would have sh- shaken things up. We he can would, say that. He, he would have attacked. attacked. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Quintana didn't have it. Bardet tried. You know, he just didn't have enough. He was a little too Valverde, unfortunately, was on the Quintana leash the whole race. Like, they should have let him off the leash, at least to do something crazy. I think he honestly tried. I just don't think that he could do it because the Team Sky just brought him back. It's like when Dan Martin attacked. Remember that? Remember that flash in the pan? But ninth for Dan Martin, our favorite American. I think people Uh, attacked. That's his best finish ever. Yeah, by far. What I'm surprised about, I hadn't looked at the final results. I know that last day in the mountains that Aru just exploded worse than I exploded at the Southside <laughs> Sprint this weekend, <laughs> uh, and I got pulled. But uh, 13th overall at 19 minutes, so what was he, like 6th going into that stage? Uh, yeah, And put the was. team on the front, and wow, he blew up. Is there anything, is... I mean, w- so we always bring this up, Zubeldia, quiet mm-hmm. assassin with a solid 24th place overall. Um, where do you guys, uh, any, anything stick out to you besides, you know, that, that Aru result or anything else that, that you want to talk about from the tour before we move on to, uh, you know, tour of Utah? Well, I'd, I'd say like, uh, Pantomo, what's his name from I am cycling who, who was in the move every yeah. day in the mountains yeah. at one, a staged and was like Ooh. second multiple times. He finished 19th yeah. overall. He wasn't there for GC. Who's um, also going to Trek by the way. Oh, is he? Is he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I figured after the tour, so he they're going like, to have he immediately him Zubeldia assumedly is going to be riding again yeah, next he'll year. Yeah, Contador, Contador and Molema. Like who? Who? 
What do they See? do with that no. lino? Su- suddenly, Trek comes with a three pronged attack, right? If yeah, you can get Pentamo or whatever his name is. No, but if you could get him to work for Contador for a year, learn from the maestro. You have you have Malema just ride Zibeldia esque, never mm-hmm. stick his nose in the wind. Contador, Pentamo, off the front, off the front, off the so, front. So, yeah. I've just done the quick uh, math here on the back of the envelope. Um. Because I was, I was hoping that Pantano was actually younger, like 18, 19 years old, so that maybe <laughs> um, they could bring Chris Horner onto Track Factor Racing and still meet the age median requirement yeah. of the UCI. But yeah. it turns out that Pantano is actually uh, like 27. So, yeah, um, he's a little too So there old, goes that plan. But yeah, I think Pantano is a rising start. You know, if you look at these results, you know, we've talked about it before, it's probably people between like 8th place down to 20th that are the future. Tour winners outside of Froome because we know Nairo now is a known quantity. Adam Yates has probably got the um, Carlos Betancourt uh, syndrome where you know you win the white jersey and then just disappear, um, but not disappear <laughs> visually. And then you've got uh, Richie Port. Um, so, do you guys think that Louis Mentes may be the uh, individual, or do you think maybe Sebastian Reichenbach of FDJ? I mean, who who do you got? I mean, I think Mentes, but I actually think the Yates. Yates is on the way up, man. Mentes was good, but he was just kind of there. He was just hanging he, on. Yeah, Men- Mentes is going to be another uh, TJ, unfortunately. I, yeah. I actually think Bardet is going to be the big star of the future. Like, he attacks. He rides with Banesh. He can climb like crazy. He's going to have trouble in those time trials, but, like, he's going to be a fun guy to watch race. So that's GC. Um, we should give a big shout-out to Sam Bennett of Bora Argon 18, who took a horrible crash in, uh, I believe, the what second stage, third stage. He was able to finish 5 hours, 17 minutes down for the Lantern Rouge, but he did finish. Um, and shout-out goes out to Tony Martin. I'm sure it's got to be a horrible feeling to drop out of the Tour de France on the final day. Citing knee pain, but he is all systems go for Rio de Janeiro and the gold medal in the time trial. Um, now, we've talked a little bit about the GC. Let's get into the points competition. Peter Sagan dominated. I don't know how they can possibly make the points competition relevant again as long as Peter Sagan is there. He's an exciting racer to watch, but the green jersey is kind of at this point of formality. Yeah, but he, he doesn't do it in a regular way. One three stages? Got in yeah. the move, won the intermediate sprints, went out, worked for the worked for the mountain jersey to like help his teammate. Yeah, like, crazy. You can't. Yeah. I mean, it's great. They should just give it to him because it's better for cycling than if they ever tried to give it to like Cavendish or Kittle. Who the hell cares? Yeah, uh, your team towed you around all day. I str- I can't argue with that take. Like long gone are the are the eight man sprint trains. You know, like every team these days, even like teams like a rank up bike exchange that seemed to be there like for the sprinters like bling um like they they all have a secret gc guy that they have to have a couple guys there for you know and there yeah. there is no htc cipollini you know pataki train anymore and yeah nobody's going to dominate like and that allows sagan and even cavendish these days to like surf up there and like get some points and but, you know I think that the in the sprint jersey, um, Cavendish is what made me the most excited about the sprinters this year, right? Like, here's a guy that has been completely uh, 
forgotten by so many people, and then here he was actually winning races. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was good to see him back. I mean, that was a highlight to me as far as the sprint game. What do you guys? You agree? Yeah, you know, it was, and it was, I don't know. Like, it feels unexpected, but at the same time, it's not like he was way off the pace, you know? We just hadn't really seen him dominate for a while. And, like, we got used to seeing Kittle and uh, Kristoff winning, and Cav always, like, third, you know, like, he did have the crashes um, when the tour was up in uh, Britain <laughs> yeah. that one year too. Now, yeah. um, I would what about... say, I would say Kristoff is the big loser out of the sprinters game. Like, yeah, he was so close so many times. What about uh, Bling oh. Matthews? Well, I would say he is uh, the biggest loser of all the sprinters. Yeah, <laughs> um, he got a stage. I mean, come he on. won his freaking stage. Now, I think that uh, mm-hmm. just. Out of this, I, I do want to point out that, you know, I know they gave Peter Sagan the most exciting racer's jersey or whatever, like the award for yep. most combative. Yep. Yeah. I would have been happy if they would have given it to Alaphilippe. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of this uh, racer from France, Julian Alaphilippe, but uh, tell, he's tell fantastic. He's won the Tour of California before. Um, he's no. well that's known. That's not true. No. Upcoming. That's not true. Uh, okay. no. Let's open his, uh, <laughs> his pro-cycling stats page here. And you got nope, second. you're wrong. Yeah. yeah, well. Anyway, it was, was pretty a good cool to see him. I do like that guy, though. I mean, I think yeah, that he's got he a lot of... did he win this year? Wait, maybe he won it this year. He's got a lot of fun. Wrong, Spencer. He won the... Uh, uh, Shit, Spencer, we're wrong. Yeah, no, he, he did win it this year. Shit. Yeah. He won it this year. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, jerks. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. <laughs> I was totally actually pulling up his at, pro cycling set page to like, confirm. I mean, this guy's pretty legit. Uh, yeah, I'm just so used to him getting second fact. to everything. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember that review we got where it said we're criminally un- underprepared for this uh, crit? So... Or for this, well, crits too. We are, this, uh, yeah, podcast. we are. Um, yeah, somebody gave me that review at the crits this weekend. You're criminally underprepared. And then, that's, uh, that's real quick, cool. Rafa Micah takes the polka dots, Adam Yates in the white, and then the team competition to Movistar, um, eight minutes over Team Sky and BMC Racing, 48 minutes down. I could um, care less about the team competition. Can I just put that out there? Yeah, just, just go ahead and delete this whole yeah, thing. I'm going oh, to. Yeah, and you know right. we we you know Ala Philippe for the uh, the most aggressive. I like that choice, but I also want to give a shout out to DeGent because man, yeah. he crushed it too. I don't he know did. how like how they give out just one. And since uh, Sagan got it's the green, hard I kind of feel like you got to give it to somebody else, right? But they did. Um, I liked. Did you guys see DeGent's? hear his interview after he won the stage and he said and said like the only time he wins is when he's afraid that he like won't make the time cut so he attacks (laughs) and then he goes on and wins like then he said too like when he won on the what the stelvio or whatever in the giro and that got him up to third on the gc and we all thought he was a gc rider for the future and then we eventually learned that he's not yeah um he said too i was just afraid so i attacked and then it worked out really well i love that (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's the only reason why I never win is I'm afraid to um, that I've got a flat tire. <laughs> yeah. And then I attack and I'm yeah. off the back. Um, well, guys, the tour, again, was fun. Uh, on the last day of the tour, kind of the new trade tradition, hopefully to be expanded, is La Corsa by La Tour de France, the women's world tour race. It is a one-day race, classic, on the Champs-Élysées. It's about 90 kilometers long. I thought it made for some uh, good racing on what I was able to see. Chloe Hosking takes the victory in a sprint over a lot of the 
Posto of Cervella Bigla, and again, Marianne Vosch in third place. Now, I know my pronunciation's bad, but this uh, Lada um, woman racer in second place for Cervella Bigla has been doing pretty awesome all year. She's the Finnish national champion, has probably one of the coolest national champion jerseys out there. I'd agree um, with that. And yeah. she has had some pretty awesome races racing throughout um, stage wins at the Aviva Women's Tour in Britain and a couple of other uh, uh, top-level races. She will be at the um, Rio Olympic Games, and I think that she would definitely be someone fighting for a podium. Now, looking at this, Chloe um, uh, Hosking taking the win, win, it also makes you wonder about um, Lizzie Armistead that uh, is – you know, she's got to be the favorite with Megan Garnier for the gold medal. But I think Team Britain and the USA are going to be throwing down in Rio. And it's pretty exciting. I'm pretty yeah. stoked for it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's going to be big. It's going to be the exciting race of the weekend there, I think. Um, I mean, the men's race will probably be good. Who knows? But the women's racing has really been top-notch it's lately. Been, you know, and I... I, I got a text the other day, um, you know, kind of his group text, and it was a guy that, you know, he's like, ah, oh, well, women's racing is just not as exciting. I, I'm i like, are you nuts? It is some of the best racing tactically that I've seen, and it's fun to watch. And you have to look at it from a lens of that we don't know enough about it to know all of the um, the internal politics of, of yeah. like, the men's racing. Like, when we watch the yeah. men's racing, right, we're sitting there, we're like, oh, man, there goes uh, TJ Van Garderen, but is Port going to bring him back? Or Port's got the flat tire, and we're well aware of what's happening. We don't know all of what's happening in the, the female, uh, the women's racing category because it's not covered as much. And I think that what we're starting to see is that the, the ratings have been really good, and people are starting to um, – companies hopefully are recognizing the bang for your buck you can get from mm-hmm. the coverage and amazing athletes. The women's race at um, Richmond – was one of the most exciting on the entire weekend. It was For sure. awesome. Definitely was. So, sure. again, so the well, women's... So, speaking of Richmond, I'm going to shout out really quick. Uh, it ties into La Corsa. Lauren Stevens off the front until about 3K to go at the La Corsa in a little move of three. We interviewed her mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast uh, at Richmond Worlds. Total badass. That was a badass move. I thought it was going to make it. Sadly, caught at the last minute. But You know, at the... One of the things that, speaking of Richmond and our experience at Richmond, remember the individual asked the question of uh, Lizzie Armistead at the uh, the press conference yeah. and asked specifically, <laughs> is, yeah. is your victory demeaned by the fact that Marianne Voss wasn't there? Because Marianne Voss, yeah. arguably the greatest living cyclist right now um, because of her uh, top-notch skills. And Lizzie Armistead's the response was classic. I mean, it was textbook professional but also just said hey check yourself with a dumb question like that because you got to look at how many <laughs> other quality athletes there are and we're yeah. seeing it i think maybe it's no disrespect to Marianne boss she's one of you know she's the greatest cyclist of our time but um maybe the media needs to catch up a little bit and, and ask me about other rivals because <laughs> yeah it wasn't just about Marianne boss being missing today the, the rest of women's cycling is uh, has made huge improvements and um, yeah like i said there's maybe some research needed to be done on, on my other rivals marianne Voss is an incredible champion but uh, there's more than just marianne to beat yeah it wasn't a fluke like Voss didn't finish second either you know like there's some mm. really really fast women out there so yeah. 
And uh, before we get into this week's Prem Lap, guys, I do want to bring up one other item about the Tour de France that Bicycling Nag- Magazine just ran a uh, editorial. Now, magazine. It yep. is a magazine. It is a magazine. Bicycling.com just ran the editorial um, by Joe Lindsay, and it says, Phil and Paul must go one tour super fans take. After 31 years, the relevance of Phil Liggett and Paul Sherwin is in difficulty. Should they pack up their suitcases of courage and call it a career? And Joe Lindsay nails it out of the park, should be congratulated that, yes, these guys are some of the reasons why we fell in love with the sport of cycling, their voices and everything, but they are not what we need to take it to the next level. It is the same formulaic um, experiences, it is or, uh, uh, quotes, we know what's going to happen, and at the yeah. end of the day, they get the team names wrong. This is not just some podcast of three buddies across the country that are allowed to pronounce names wrong as a, <laughs> uh, as a joke. This uh-huh. is something that yeah, you need to know what happens. And Joe Lindsay does a great job of um, juxtaposing what Phil and Paul do with what Vin Scully does, the soon-to-be-retiring baseball announcer for the L.A. Dodgers, in his story. And he talks about how you know there's a story that can be told while you're calling the action. And there's no action being called by Paul and Phil. It is, is formulaic. You know, the the French guy goes off the front in the breakaway, and they're like, oh, he's a top-notch racer. No, Phil, he's not. He's a good <laughs> pro that just happens to be in the front to get his sponsor's name on TV for all of Europe to see. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it's it's time for them to leave. I, I appreciate what they've done, but uh, I've been watching the tour on Pirate Stream of ITV, and I got Ned Bolton and uh, David Miller. Uh, you know, it's... I thought it was pretty darn good. David Miller's yeah. got the pro, uh, you know, tell you what's going on, and Ned Bolton can call a pretty good game. Yeah, the uh, the Robbie McEwen uh, commentary has been really good too. Uh, I haven't heard that. What, I bet that's uh, what's he totally on the Aust- wacko on the Australian. He's he? been on like uh, before Phil and Paul take over. Okay, uh, on some of the streams. I don't know if it's on all the streams, but uh, yeah, like him and uh, and another dude whose name I'm blanking on right now. Um, they call it up until like ninety minutes to go or ninety k to go or whatever. Um, because what about um, Spencer? Do you think of uh, Jens Voigt and Christian Vandeveld? Because Joe Lindsay brings them up in the in the uh, piece, and he's like, "Look, we have two guys that can actually give you what's going on in the race that know what's happening, and they yeah. underutilize them. They, you know, it's like, hey, let's go to the studio for a quick three second sound bite, and Jens Voigt's like." you know, can actually give you some insight and we're not getting yeah. that. I just, uh, my favorite part about Jens Voigt and he's not great at his job, but you know, uh, no fault of his own. It's English is not his first language, but, uh, you get the, uh, you get the stereotypical three minute rant from Phil and Paul about, you know, what exactly is about to happen. And then they ask Jens his opinion and he says the complete opposite thing. <laughs> yeah. Like he's no, like, no, there's no, no. there's no way this break's gonna make it. They're gonna get reeled in with ten to go, and the sprinters teams are gonna take over, and that's what's gonna happen. And that's exactly what happens because he knows how it works. Yes, if somebody if somebody crunched the numbers on that, I'm sure he was right about ninety percent of the time, and Phil and Paul were right about ten percent of the time. Yeah. What I'm looking for in my commentary watching the tour, and what would determine if I buy the uh, NBC sports package would be um, accuracy 
I would like to know some inside information, and I want a excited prophetic call of the sprint or finishes when it comes down to it. Phil Liggett can't do that anymore. He they can't have... tell you who's in the sprint anymore. Exactly. Like... That's what I'm no. saying. Like, So there isn't that like edgier seat, like the guy that calls it on Eurosport on the British feed with yeah. Uh, yeah. Sean Kelly. He's awesome. That guy's like, oh my God. And they have the... Is that Carlton Kirby or is it somebody else who's um, been calling it lately? I don't know who's calling it, but it's amazing. He's good. He's and good. then. What, what bugs me about the NBC sports coverage is they have the ability to provide the analysis that we need with Jens Voigt and Christian Vandeville that do a great job. And they have the guy that's on the motorcycle in the middle of the uh, – in the pack that's like he's going been good. between yeah. – He's awesome. Like more of that. Give us the inside story of who's working what because none of those guys watching that race are going to be watching the U.S. feed anyway. So like he could give some real good inside <laughs> story like – T.J. Oh. Van Garner is not feeling good today. And then, you know, I don't know. It's I just... a little secret between me and all the U.S. fans. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we can't all tell anyway. <laughs> Come on. So. Anyway. <laughs> we know. We all know when T.J. is going to pop. Yeah. Phil and Paul need to go. Uh, it's it's. I'm glad the cycling media is willing to take up that drum and beat it because it's, you know, we've all been saying it for a few years now, and it's really gotten pretty blatant, like – I well, like, love them for what they've done, but it's it's you know their prime is is past. Speaking yeah. I mean, of prime, Paul's got his gold mine to worry about. He does have yeah. a gold mine to worry about. Let's not forget about that. Hey, did I ever tell you about the geopolitical consequences of a gold mine in Africa, and then how Phil Liggett and Paul showed? Oh wait, it's a cream lap. I can't tell you. This is Adam McDonald, DJ the one and only Louisville Phone Party, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Um, did you win a preem at your criteriums this weekend? Nope, I did not. I was never in a position to do that. There was a break both days, and I was not in that break. Were you not in the break during the preem because you were not the fastest guy out there? That was one of the reasons, yes. Well, can I interest you in some Michelin tires with Power Protection Plus, which have amazing rolling resistance, better sidewall protection, and less wear that could get you into that break when you need to be there. Keep talking. That's right. <laughs> well, you go into your local bike shop, you ask for Michelin bicycle tires and tubes. Okay. Maybe some latex tubes could help you out a little bit Ooh, too. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. before you know it, you're going to be up there in the crit winning the preem lap. And before you know it, that preem lap victory, probably a pump, which then you can use to blow up <laughs> all of your Michelin tires and we'd like Bold to thank statement. Michelin Bicycle takes, USA huh? for the uh, sponsorship of the Slow Ride Podcast and the Wide Angle Podium Network. Yeah. Indeed. Absolutely. They're They've nice awesome. tires. I don't know if they could get me into the break, but I'm sure I'd enjoy my time riding them trying to get into the break. Well, <laughs> you know, and what's important is you'd look good while you were trying to get in that break. So all the photographers, yeah. they'd get those action shots of you, like, just bleeding panache out of your eyeballs <laughs> yeah. as you're trying desperately you're like like your best tommy v frenchman trying to get yeah. across to the break and not making it like suicide move you know mm-hmm. well it's important to not flat while you're trying to make it across the that, break that too. so that sidewall true. protection will come in handy right there uh, now <laughs> do you, 
Yes, yeah, so you you don't want a flat when you're going across to the break. Um, no, that's a bummer, man. So you need major, you need the no lowest rolling. Allowed. You need the rollest lowest rolling resistance you can get with your tires. So that's why you're going to choose Michelin because you know you're going to have your jersey fully unzipped, which is going to yeah. reduce or uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Reduce you got to make marginal gains somewhere else to counteract yeah. the full schleck. Exactly. Yeah. The Michelin bicycle tires. We'd like to thank them, and you know, shout out to Jason Hatmaker, Jay Hatmaker, for uh, giving a tweet to Michelin Bike USA for uh, sponsoring the pod, thanking them, and also picking up some new tires in all of the color options. Now, if Jason Hatmaker, <laughs> all well, he said, love the oh, colors. All in. Now, Jason, you would get extra credit if I would allow a podium bike presentation what? for you on Damn. the podium. If you have two different tires, color tires, on your bike. So, for instance, you have a nice green front tire and a, I don't know, a white gum sidewalled rear. That would be pretty amazing. It would look like you put the flat tire or the wheel change tire up there on the podium with you. I would like that. Do you guys approve? That's very uh, early 2000s fixie steez right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's that's still well. Maybe teeth. Jason, maybe Jay Hatmaker is a alley cat extraordinaire. Maybe he's yeah, going to be going maybe, all the fixier crits. Yeah, alley cat racing. So. Well, you never know. Well, once again, thanks to Michelin Bike USA for their sponsorship, Babendium. Shout out and follow Michelin on social media. They're at facebook.com slash Michelin. They're on Twitter at Michelin Bike USA, Instagram Michelin USA, and YouTube channel as well. So you can watch all of the different videos about what's going on at Michelin Bike. Thank you to the uh, supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. It's like NPR, mm-hmm. but for bikes. And coming up in the near future, we're going to have um, another episode to tell you a little bit more about that. But uh, our Wide Angle Podium partners over at Crosshairs Radio just uh, released another episode. They're pushing out like weekly episodes, which are great. And the Honest, Honest Bicycle Program, I listened to it last week. I have to admit, guys, Grolby was talking all about how awesome his uh, Velo Games League was going to be, <laughs> and it did not come through. I mean, I think he beat you in the end. Well, I don't want to talk about that because he was not the best <laughs> wide-angle podium. That, that's, that's true. That's true he wasn't. <laughs> so, anyways, thanks to all of our sponsors and supporters of the Slow Ride Podcast. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. All right, so so many more things to talk about. And oh, little more. guy, before we get to the comeuppance that we have to do um, for losing Velo Games to uh, one lukewarm, I do want to uh, give you an opportunity to talk about something sad that actually happened in the world of biking, and that has to do with Momba and the First Flight founder um, passing away in North Carolina. And quickly, I've gone to yeah. the First Flight bike shop. Probably I know, one which of the, I'm super jealous of. One of the coolest bike shops I've ever been to, so uh, take it away. Yeah, I, I don't know if people heard, but yeah, Jeff Archer of the Mombat site and the museum and the First Flight Bikes got, I think, hit, hit by a drunk driver or something. But he passed away uh, this last week, which was a terrible, sad thing no matter what. Terrible, sad thing for cycling because the guy was just the most, had the most, like, amazing museum collection of everything mountain bike related you could ever want he was kind of the the guy holding the uh history of the sport together in a lot of ways um so yeah it was sad it was a bummer and i mean that mountain bike museum and the bikes that he had on the wall at first flight um are are pretty amazing the stuff they have is 
unbelievable. But like, not just that they have a cool collection that they have like, like I could go into the high E catalogs on their website and send you that picture of the monorail bike and crazy <laughs> shit like that. So like, it's 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 they're a research library for nerds that like mountain bikes. So yeah. it's yeah. really the coolest place, and it's really sad to lose someone that obviously cared so much about the history of the sport because and the uh, nerdy intricacies because that's the stuff I care about. You know, we too. we talked so, about you know first flights the bike shop in Statesville and. This Mombat uh, Museum of Mountain Bike um, and Technology, he bought all of the assets for high-E bicycle components. Yeah. Dude, I can't... That's amazing. Just an insane collection. (coughs) It was just out of this world. I mean, yeah. It's pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, if you haven't checked out the site... Go check it out. There's uh, Velo News had a nice little like photo essay from a few years ago or something that they they put back up of like nice from first flight bikes and stuff that's on their site right now. So yeah, and it's check it out mombat.org. That's m o m b a t dot org, and then also check out first flight in Statesville, North Carolina. Um, Hi E. Uh, for those of you that uh, listen to the pod, know that they were the monorail. Uh, they had a monorail prototype. That hopefully was in their backyard in Nashville, North or Nashville, Tennessee. That one yeah, of our listeners, that one of our listeners went to go find, and she was unsuccessful. But um, shout out, we know out. it's out there. Yeah, we know we it's, yeah, out, it's there, out there, so. and we'll pay top dollar. And uh, <laughs> other other news uh, in the world of cycling: Spencer Brad Soner, one of the uh, well-known announcers of cycling um, out there has been starting a new adventure in the world of uh, crit racing in the U.S., trying a new uh, mm-hmm. new endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we've all been, you know, scraping the dark webs for streams of, uh, of bike racing for so long that uh, somebody finally got sick of it and decided to, to try and uh, up the ante a little bit and, and make it actually uh, fun and safe for your computer to, to watch bike <laughs> racing online. Um, no, all the drama's gone. Yeah, and so he started, uh, uh, kicked off this last weekend a uh, streaming service that uh, you you can pay for to watch the crits, uh, all the big NRC crits, uh, NCC stuff uh, online um, with professional level, you know, doodads and doohickeys and internet things. So I'm super pumped about that. It should be a really cool idea. It's cheap. How much is he charging to watch a crit? So the first one was it was five bucks, um, which is you know not bad, and I'm sure it was worth it. Um, I actually was unable to watch, so I don't really know uh, how it went off, but it was cool that he's trying it. I'm excited to see how it goes in the future. I'm hoping you know that I can do something like that and watch the cross races in the fall. Uh, happily, we've been saying forever we'd happily pay you know a reasonable amount of money for good coverage with good yeah. commentary. And and Brad is starting to make that happen. Um, so. He's a good commentator. I, I enjoy watching yeah. races that he calls. Um, I, yeah. I'm willing to try this, uh, see how the coverage is. I, I've become a little uh, Debbie Downer on crits lately because it's been like Friday or Saturday nights, and I yeah. tend to you know be out on the town and just doing awesome things. Uh, you know, well, like getting on guest lists. Cool. Uh, but I you know I got to admit that five dollars to watch a crit. Uh, you know, it could help the the bottom line at the old uh, household. 
a little bit. So maybe this is something that I will uh, investigate. So thanks for bringing that to my attention, Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. Um, also, we did get a, uh, a tweet, and th- this one comes at us from Michael Kirby. Uh, he says, hey, Slow Ride Pod, remember that time we met Sven Nice at a phone party? Well, he's coming to Chicago for a cross clinic, and he did uh, tweet this to us. Sven Nice coming to a cross clinic in the U.S., and the reason it, it's getting mentioned on the podcast is that it got retweeted by Roller Derby, which reminds me that Roller Derby still exists in the idea. So while we're playing Velo games, Roller mm-hmm. Derby still may come back. The Triple X Racing, the Sven's Are Coming Cyclocross Clinic, featuring two-time world champion Sven Nice and U23 world champion Sven Van Turnout at the Caldwell Woods on Monday, September 12th, and Tuesday, September 13th. This lines up right before Interbike and right before the... Um, Trek. The, uh, uh, right before the Trek World uh, UCI race. It's not a World Cup. So that means that we'll probably see Sven in Madison racing. We'll see then, or him not racing, but his team there. And then we will also see him out at Vegas and then Jingle Cross. So pretty exciting. Congrats to Triple X Racing. You can find out more at usacycling.org. Look in the Illinois section or just go to triplexracing.org and look for the Svenzer Cummins Cyclocross Clinic. Guys, that's awesome that Sven Nees is coming to the U.S. Yeah, it's a clinic. Awesome. I mean, I already is a pretty big fan of U.S. Uh, since that, uh, that phone party was, you know, pretty pivotal in his career, um, mm-hmm. you know, leading him to the, the win and a world championship jersey there in Louisville. So, I mean, this, yeah. Yeah. guys. Trek is get- Trek's providing the bikes. Like you can go there without a bike and get a really nice bike, so he doesn't make fun oh, of the junk that you so brought. So this is this is just the disc brake indoctrination thing. Then. Oh, maybe oh, I guess that's a that's a good way to say it. Oh, and it's only good. limited sixty participants per day, so you can get in early, little guy. But it says you can't register for both days. But I would suggest maybe one of those uh, fake fu- name. Fu- funny nose and glasses uh, yeah. routines and a fake name like Tom Boonin. Did you, did you guys see the picture of Sven at – there was one day where, like, he showed up at the tour. And some there were some photos on, like, the Cycling News Gallery. Like, Sven Nee shows up to the tour and, like, hangs out, you know, and checks it out. Did you see this? No, I did not. No. No. He looks, he looks really fit. He doesn't have, like, a Wellens post-racing career thing going on. I think he might secretly still be training. You think he'll make a comeback? You think that I mean, this is just – Well, here's, here's what I think. He bought Telenet. They suck. He probably was, like, at a few of their training camps. He was like, all right, come on, do some interviews. And he, like, was timing them, and he's like, are you guys kidding me? Come on. <laughs> I told you to go fast. And they do it again, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to show you how to do it. And he gets the kid on, he does the bike, and he's just whipping their asses around the woods. And then he's like, uh, maybe. Should just, you know, every other one. I won't train he's, that hard. You think he's going to pull, like, a, a Lars Boom and just kind of show up? For a couple towards the end of the season kind of thing. Oh, you know how cool that would be if he just showed up for like three or four races. Maybe he, maybe he needs, you know what it is? I figured it out. He needs to stay in shape for the like one or two races this fall that's guaranteed going to happen where the stars align and Stebar and Boom are both there. He's (laughs) he's definitely taking the line if those two guys are both there. There's (laughs) no way he's not. That would, like the cyclocross world would implode with excitement. (laughs) 
There would be no I way know. to handle the excitement of Sven coming back and Steve R and Boom all at the same time. Can you time. imagine the crosshairs uh the crosshairs oh team God. hanging out on a Sunday and then they get the start list and they're just what? Oh man, no. that would be pretty oh. exciting. It would be nuts. But he should do it. Sven, please yeah. come so, back. We miss you already. Um, yeah. I mentioned earlier we're going to talk about Tour of Utah. No, we're not. But we are going to mention real quick Joe Dombrowski registering for the Leadville 100. That's pretty exciting. Um, it's not as exciting as Peter Sagan doing the Olympics in the mountain bike that, race. I am actually really excited for that. No. Uh, that, I'm that, pumped. That, that is probably going to be the guys, one race that I'll watch uh, the, you know, through and through. You know this yeah. this podcast is uh, known for for its rumors. Uh, it's right there in the tagline. Yeah. I got a hot one for you. All right. Peter, it relates to Peter Sagan in the mountain bike. All right, he's going to do it on a fully fully rigid bike? No, no, you know he's got no points. He's got no points, yeah. right? No UCI yeah. points. He's going to start back row if he if he stays yeah. where he is. He's a fast do sprinter, you, though. Do you know where there's a easy UCIHC mountain bike race that he could definitely pouch the win for a whole bunch of points? <sighs> this weekend? It's I in Boston, Massachusetts. You think he's actually going to show up? It's possible. <laughs> Peter Sagan, he, Wait, could, so he could very well be here, and he could very well be at Wyndham in New York, which is another one he could poach before Rio. Hey, guys, I was just... Um, what would that get him, though? It would get him would better than him last row, because he's going to be dead last. He's got, like, no points. Hey, but you know what he gets if he stays in Europe? He gets to do a couple crits, which will buy you, like, a Ferrari. He doesn't. Oh, he's already got that Charger, man. Have you seen that thing? It's ridiculous. He's already got the Tinkoff uh, money. Um, uh, Spencer, I don't know if you heard this, but um, I was reading some blogs um, this afternoon. I heard that Peter Sagan might show up to a mountain bike race up there, and it wasn't Night Weasels, but it's still supposed to be uh, pretty awesome. Is that true? It's true. Yeah, it's potentially yeah. true. It's uh, as true as anything else that we've ever said on this podcast. So, uh, hey, he might be a buck on Thursday. That's it's the last okay. buck of the oh. season. He better show up if he wants to make it. So... In uh, personal news, uh, guys, I made a hockey team, a Masters 35-plus hockey team, so I know people cared about that. And Little Guy, Definitely. anything uh, good from Klein Corner this week? Do, 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 do. Not really. I'm going to race mine <laughs> this week. You, you, um, you had nothing from Klein Corner at all. Uh, all right, well, I talked to Jordan Colin, uh, super local superhero who has longer hair than me. I'm so jealous. And he said that he saw a client with a pretty cool paint job. So did That's he tell you that Klein before Corner. he dropped you, or did he tell you that at the start line? Well, like right before we rolled to the start line, we're he's, chatting. He's like hanging out, and he's like, hey, check out my hair. And yeah. it's like flowing locks, and you're like, hey, Jordan, what's going on? And you're like, dude, have you seen any clients was, lately? And he's like, yeah, I saw a client. And you're like, he's told me he saw clients. I don't know what kind of client it was. No, I we rolled up, and I saw him, and I was like, no, someone has longer hair than me. That was my That was my, that was my thing i could win was longest hair yeah in the race that was my competition you know like i, I lost so since i thought i had one win na- in me now since you're the only one racing right now of the three of us uh tell us a little bit about this kind of what new crit series this is the first time they've raced in northeast or the second year this is the first one in northeast the northeast race was really cool it was like torrential downpours all day yeah. so the fields were pretty small that's there's still maybe 15 20 dudes in the one two race um, pretty good hill bomb yeah you bomb down 29th for like three blocks left hand turn straight up fillmore oh uh 
then you take and then you go back over to Johnson so it's like false flat uphill a little bit false flat uphill a little bit and then flat and then bomb down three or four blocks or whatever to Fillmore again super fun race did you need a I dropper not post do well. for the downhill yeah you definitely need a dropper post no I mean like it was sweet <laughs> and a super fast corner and then there was like a puddle at the bottom because it'd been like downpouring all day so it was a little like dicey and stuff but people kept does it, it go right by the uh, theater up there on Johnson. Yeah, went okay. past the the old abandoned Hollywood there, Hollywood Theater. Do you think that the race will be yeah. ba- like good enough venue? It's going to come back because it looked like the Southside Sprint had a pretty good crowd once again. And yeah, Southside is awesome as always. Always the biggest crowds. Always has perfect weather, so that helps. But it was state championship, huge crowds, tons of people hanging out, and and how'd you do a lot at of the racers. Minnesota State Criterium Championships? I got pulled with like thirteen to go. Which they pulled you. Well, so I got so there was a break of five guys, Jordan Cullen being one of them, and with, they were wait, like, "Sorry, you mean the hair?" Way up on the field, yeah, <laughs> way, 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 way up on wait, the field. Wait, 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 Jordan the hair Cullen, Jordan the hair, the locks, Jordan locks Cullen. Okay, um, they were way up on the field. I got popped off uh, with like thirteen to go. Rode around a little bit, and then looked back, and they were like giving me the like, you know, pulling me. I was like, "No way!" I look back, and then I see that the the break is coming up behind. How many people were so, in the field? I don't know, forty some. And this is good. Why field. are they pulling people? Were you really interrupting? Couldn't you like just? No, I I I was surprised they got pulled. I was especially surprised they got pulled that quick because so this was crazy. This is there was what's a crash. wrong with USA cycling. <laughs> so there was a there was a crash with like fifteen laps to go, sixteen fifteen laps to go, um, and you know you like heard it. It was in the back of the pack. We come around the next time. It's clear like there's no one in the road, so we roll through. When we roll through the start finish again, they're all like, race is neutralized, race is neutralized, there's a big crash. And we're like, no, there isn't. There's like three guys on the ground, and they're off the thing. So we all like roll around slow, soft pedaling, and we come back, and they start the race up again. So they had to start the break of five guys, give them 30 seconds. Then they had to like start two guys that were in between, and then 10 seconds later, they start us, which... I probably That's, wouldn't have lasted much longer, but that was that way hurts. harder on me. Yeah. Because, like, I ha- then you guys know this race. You start at the bottom. It's not a huge hill, but the start line is, like, right at the bottom of the hill. So we had to do a – like, we all sprinted up that hill the next time way yeah. harder than we'd been That's doing the race. That's pretty much my specialty. Yeah. Zapped me. That's a pretty um, bush league move. That's unfortunate. That was weird. Other than that sweet event, I think somebody panicked. I think somebody really just, like, came around from the other side and was like, there's a huge crash. And the officials were like, shit, you know, shut it down. And then they actually realized it was not a huge crash. It was weird. It didn't need to happen. It was still a great race, but kind of a bummer. So this past weekend um, there was the Intelligentsia Cup, which hopefully it would be nice if growing this Minnesota crit weekend outside of the Intelligentsia, which takes place in Chicago – what I do want to mention on that, um, guys, is that they were uh, hosting fixed gear crits there right before the one-two races. Seemed to have mm-hmm. a pretty good turnout, and nice. once again, it's bringing in people that um, we've talked about, and it's kind of what we, you know, That's it gets awesome. it gets bad mouthed by the roadies out there, like, oh, it's dangerous. It's actually cleaner and easier, and. That whole Red Cook Crit series is definitely taking off, and I mean now the big sponsors seem to be getting by in it, and sponsors outside of cycling, yeah, um, yeah, Rockstar, so, but Intelligentsia doing it's awesome. Yeah, I'll tell you what I like about that is it's an entry point. 
to cycling. You know what I mean? Like we do, like the big pro. Everybody wants to know why road is dying. Like why why it doesn't seeing the growth that uh, cross is or that even mountain bike is. It's because there is a lack of entry points. Like the bar is set even at cap five, pretty high. Like you gotta be. You know, you got to have the bike, you got to have the gear, you got to be fit, you got to know the ins and outs of, of racing, how to draft, all this stuff. Like, it's hard to get all that together. And a fixed gear crit just seems like, a, oh, I can just show up and do that. Like, I, I know how to do that, you know? And it provides an entry point for people. Even if it's just as hard as a regular crit, it doesn't Definitely. feel like it to them. Yeah, and they and did it, they did four... No, exactly. They did four nights of this crit racing for people that may not be racing at that uh normal level but then yeah. also you have a racer like emil abraham showing up getting third overall in the series this is a guy that is well known on the scene but he's still doing the the fixation cup right like going for the fixed gear racing that's that's super yeah. exciting um and this is something that you and i would have been doing or all three of us would have been doing um oh, shout yeah. out to fa- we'd uh, have we'd have two bikes on the top of the car going down there yeah. like each it would have been awesome I'll you know, be all about it. It's going to be taking off, and people need to start giving the credit. And uh, Specialized is now all behind it. Their bike of the guy that's won almost every Red Hook crit for the last two years was on display yeah. out at their big uh, dealer camp. So, again, it is taking off, and it's something that we need to learn to embrace. And it looks like some promoters are starting to embrace it to get more people there. I bet mm-hmm. you a fixed gear crit in uh, Minneapolis would get a pretty good turnout at the uh, the Southside Sprint, like a little... Uh, you know, we would yeah. show up, guys. Well, I'd crush yeah. it. I'd have my I'd have my Panasonic with the gold uh, gold rims and <laughs> everything out you there. You still have that thing? No, I need to find it. <laughs> Do you guys? You guys know they they did on Friday, and I didn't go Friday night. Um, they did sprints downtown, like by the yeah. Twin Stadium. There was there was like a sprints competition, which I don't know how it went. I don't know how many people showed up, but and then it wasn't something I felt like I wanted to do. But you know, it's it's yeah, good it's that it's in that same vein. Happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, trying to be inclusive, and that's good. You know what else I, uh, we need to be inclusive of is uh, talking about Vela games. Guys, guys I feel like I've you're trying, trying to, to avoid it. Uh, we have been, and oh, look at that. We're out of time, and with that, yeah. we'd like to thank all the listeners of the Slow Ride uh-huh, Podcast. Uh-huh. Ah, you yeah, know, oh, I'm looking God. at the clock, and I think we've got a few minutes to All right. This is, th- this is painful, but, you know, shout-outs. I would like to uh, give a couple of uh, quick... Um, shout outs before I have to do the dirty and read the paragraph for Spencer winning our internal competition. And the first shout out goes to David Cameron, former prime minister of Britain with well, Britain, you made your bed taking the overall victory, um, finishing 137th overall. But David Cameron, who knew that you were such a good, uh, prognosticator. We also have. Bognier's debunk by Matt Spence in second place and huffing Xenon, by Mr. Satchel in third place for our um, top three. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, And pretty much like I posted on Twitter, um, I did a great job of showing the top six (laughs) overall on the the event. And, you Mm -hmm. know, guys, uh, it it was great. So top six crushed it. You know, seventh place overall was pretty good. I think it maybe deserves a mention. (laughs) Oh, I... Yes, there it is. Lukewarm rides again. Spencer taking once again. I, I don't think, little guy, you and I have ever won one of these Velo games. No, you haven't. Uh, I actually did the uh, counting. There's a lot of people in our league this uh, this go-round. How many did I was, we have? I was seventh. 
I don't know. I didn't get to the bottom. But you, were, you Tim, were 146th, <laughs> and Little Guy is 153rd. Well, and I so. think that's why Little Guy probably just got off the, uh, the phone here, was because yeah. he was 153rd. What's amazing is there's at least another 30 to 40 places behind. There's almost 200 people that have registered for this uh, Velo Games League. So, yeah, and... Yeah, you know, amazing names all the way across. I think it's just one of these, uh, you know, exciting times in the uh, world of uh, fellow games that we absolutely got crushed. Yeah, well, I'm glad you could admit it. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the paragraphs. All right, let's send them over. I have written them hastily in the minutes before we started recording. Uh, hopefully they turned out okay. Uh, oh, and uh, I have just emailed them to you as well. So, uh, Tim, uh, if you've got yours, you can start us off as usual, as we've done every single time we've had this contest. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm checking the I'm checking the inbox, and I'm checking to see if I've actually put a filter up to stop all of your um, your emails to me. Um, more specifically, to see if it's actually coming into my spam folder, um, and so. Pretty soon here. Yep, there it is in the spam folder where it belongs from one mm-hmm. Spencer Howe. All right. Well, go ahead. I'll Lance Armstrong deserves seven yellow jerseys. Spencer is a cycling genius. It's amazing. Thaddeus Bellwether denies the charges. Heimar Zubelder was never that good. Tyler Hamilton is my twin. You know, I think the Russians are probably clean. The gummy bear <laughs> was looking great on that last climb. Hincappy was miscast. He was really a great climber. Phil and Paul are fantastic. Love it. FYI, Spencer is making a new soundboard from this. We will never speak of the old one ever again. Uh, yes. Good work. All right. Enjoy. Well, Farewell done, Tim. Well yep, done. Yep. I'm going to use right. those quotes in all future uh, promotional materials for this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like the old, uh, you know, uh, mudslinging campaign ads, right? Like, uh-huh. hey, read this. Okay, I'll read this. Yeah, good work. It's gonna be great. All right, all right, little guy. Uh, if you're ready to go, feel free to feel free to uh, you know get yeah. into it. I'll uh, load my browser here. Hmm. Um, sure. Okay, I'm ready. Oh. It's every fucking time, too. Bling Matthews. The name just rolls off the tongue. His sprints this year have been outstanding, and I cannot believe Team Australia didn't force Garens to work for Bling and RVA. The travesty. Because that would be one glorious world champion. Bling. We could shout it from rooftops and mountain passes. Bling. I'm never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. Can't wait for your next big win. Ling, and also to read more about you and other English-speaking cyclists in Europe. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty sad day, little guy, when you have to read that. I was depending on you for getting Spencer off the top step. Well, Tim, you know who let us down? It wasn't me. It was TJ Van Garderen. So... I, I've been looking around, doing the research. I think the official way to do it is like our way at our buddies over at MSU uh, Cycling out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
And that's, of course, to go with Chris Froome. Go with the star and scrubs method. Chris Froome, Peter Sagan, you would have been in the top 200 people. Yeah. And you would have never let us down, little guy. And That's we've, beautiful. And we've successfully rickrolled the entire podcast universe. We'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. As painful as it may have been, it was enjoyable to make for you. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, including members of the Wide Angle Podium and mm-hmm. Michelin Bike USA in their performance line of tower, the Power Plus line of tires. Go find them over on Twitter at Michelin Bike USA or on Facebook. Let them know we sent you. And most of all, if you see a fellow cyclist riding out there on the road, no matter what they're wearing, even if it's a fixed gear with chopped riser bars, you have to give them a wave. Maybe a head nod or the old-fashioned bell. We'd appreciate that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and get off the road. Yeah, let's get off the road and uh, work together like little guy failed to do at the Criterium this weekend. Hey, I worked together for a while. Worked together? Did you shift? Yeah, I shifted a couple times. (laughs) It wasn't a fixed gear crit. And with that, we bid you adieu. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com And on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Phil and Paul are fantastic. Love it.